Welcome to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, certified religious transition and trauma recovery coach, Terry Hales. I help people step out of the shadows of religious fear and shame and embrace their authentic selves with love and empathy. If you're ready to throw off the shackles of learned binary thinking and explore a more nuanced approach to life, this is your playground. Welcome back to the Emancipate Your Mind podcast. Today's a little different. I don't have a lot of scientific data for what we're going to be talking about today. Today we're going to be talking about the similarities between intuition and the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to kind of talk about when it's healthy to believe in direction from a higher power, how a healthy relationship in that way would look. And then we're going to spend some time talking about when it's unhealthy. That way you can make decisions. If you're a person that's like, I really love the idea of the Holy Spirit. I love the idea of a higher power. I love the idea of having guardian angels or guides on my path or even Arcturians or Pleiadians or whatever it is. If you're a person that's like, I want guidance from God or a higher power or from source or from the universe, and you're worried that you may fall into old traumatic patterns, this is going to be a great podcast. We're going to explore that. Or if you're a person that's like, I want to listen to my intuition, but I'm triggered a little bit by that because of my relationship with my intuition especially with how it relates to being labeled as the Holy Ghost or as the Holy Spirit in my high-demand religion. There are definitely some religions that talk about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost in a way that's healthy, and there are definitely religions that talk about the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost in a way that is unhealthy and traumatic. So I'm not saying that the Holy Ghost or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in and of itself is traumatic, but the way it's used can be traumatic. So we're going to be talking about that as a way to hopefully free ourselves from those old patterns so that if we want to look at our intuition in a way that is interconnected with divinity or with guides of some sort outside of ourselves, we can do that in a healthy way. All right. This conversation was born from all of my research I was doing on intuition, and I was having conversations with my one-to-one clients, and I was having conversations with people in the Facebook group about their own experiences with intuition and whether that triggered some trauma around the idea of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And we've had some really great insights happening on the Facebook group. In fact, if you're not part of the Facebook group and you want to be part of these discussions and you want to help sort of mold and shape how the podcast goes, head over there. It's called the Emancipate Yourself Facebook group. There's a link in the show notes or you can search it. I'm pretty sure you can find it if you search it. There will be some questions for you to answer and then I can approve you into the group or you can be part of the discussions. At this point, I think we have a little bit over a hundred people that are in the group. So it's been growing 
And it's been so fun to see new people. So all of you who are listening, who are in the group, I love being over there with you. And anyone who wants to be included in that community, make sure you head over there. We would love to have you there as well. The more insight and wisdom we get, the better these podcasts become. Because the more questions you ask, the more you share your experiences, the more it shapes the questions I ask myself, and the more it shapes the research that I do. So... If you want to be a part of that, please head over to the Facebook community. Okay, where I want to start is where I started with my research. I was reading about intuition and noticed that when I typed in what does intuition feel like, and I was reading article after article after article, making sure that I was getting the whole scope of what intuition felt like for different people, not just for me. I started noticing patterns. I was like, this sounds a lot like how we've described how the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit sounds like. So we're going to start there with where I was in my research just a couple weeks ago. So let's start with how people describe what the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost feels like. Someone said, a warm feeling in my chest, an expansion when I'm open to where the Spirit is leading or a contraction when I'm resistant. So you get the warm feeling in your chest and you either feel expansive or you feel contracted. A healing presence. I feel lifted. And we're going to talk more about the emotion of elevation in our next podcast. And I'm really excited about that one. We're going to pull apart that lifted, exuberant, ecstatic feeling that we felt at church and understand that a little bit better so that you can have more of those experiences outside of church if that's something that you're missing. And also so you can understand why that happened in the first place and what was going on when you were, you know, in your church meeting and the organ music would cue up or the rock band would cue up or the preacher would really start pounding on the pulpit and you started getting those big, expansive, bigger than me, part of something that's huge kind of feelings. Okay, so that is the emotion of elevation. And there are a couple of statements here that are mostly an elevated response, not necessarily intuition, but I'm including them anyway, because I want you to hear how people are speaking about what the Holy Ghost feels like. So a healing presence, I feel lifted. In dreams and messages, the Holy Ghost feels like dreams and messages. The Holy Ghost feels overwhelming to me, moving me to tears. Again, that's that feeling of elevation. A light or feeling of enlightenment. You know when you get those feelings or those thoughts that are smarter than you ever thought you could be? That kind of thing. A tug or a push for me to do something, even when I don't know why I need to do it. But then when I do it, I learn why. Another person says, a total interconnection with another human being, feeling seen and understood. Another person described their Holy Ghost experience as sort of like synchronicity, meeting just the right person at just the right moment, being in the right place at the right time. Someone else said, a sense of timelessness. It feels like time stops. Another person said, a reassuring flow of energy. Everything just feels right. A sense of euphoria or excitement. 
Again, a little bit of that elevation that we're talking about. A force that drives me forward, even in my weakest moments. So it's like an engine that like pushes you forward, even when you don't feel like you can keep going. A sense of whether I'm making the right decisions for my life or not. A state of flow. Words and actions just come out and I don't even have to try. An unspoken command that won't let up until I respond. Just that nagging voice of you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, or that opportunity keeps coming forward, keeps coming to mind until you pay attention. A chill. Sometimes it's excitement and foretelling. Other times it's dread and foreboding. A sense of awe and gratitude. And last, a knowing beyond my understanding. So that is what people describe the Holy Ghost as feeling like. But now let's listen to what other people describe intuition feeling like. The first person says, a peaceful feeling in your chest or stomach. It feels like expansion. Isn't that crazy? That's the first thing they said about the Holy Spirit as well. Number one on what the Holy Spirit feels like, a warm, peaceful feeling in your bosom. That's the word we would use in Mormonism. An expansive feeling, a feeling of peace or calm. That's the very first thing for intuition as well. A peaceful feeling in your chest or stomach. It feels like expansion. Number two, you feel confident to move forward even when the decision doesn't seem rational. So even if it doesn't make sense. Remember the person in the Holy Ghost list that said, if I move forward, then it makes sense. I just feel driven to do something, even if I don't know why. Number three, more vivid dreams. That was another one on the Holy Ghost list. Number four, the same thoughts, opportunities, or ideas keep knocking on your door. Number five, sudden clarity when you're not busy. Not listed on the Holy Ghost list is the idea that the Holy Ghost speaks to us in a still, small voice. That we have to be very quiet and very still to hear what it's saying to us. Interestingly enough, intuition works the best when we're in our quiet moments, when our minds are still, when we're not really busy, and we can hear our thoughts and our feelings. So another person said, your thoughts keep being pulled in a certain direction. You keep wandering back to certain thoughts. Yet another says, it pushes you to grow outside of your comfort zone, to expand and become more. I saw that a lot on the Holy Ghost forums too, that the Holy Ghost will push you to do things that are uncomfortable and push you to grow out of the human realm, push you into expanding into more and more divinity and more union with God. Number eight, you may feel uneasy if you ignore your intuition. Yeah, that goes on both lists, right? Nine, you have a sense this feeling won't go away. You guys know what that's like with intuition. You have this thought and you're like, yeah, that feels like the truth for my life. And I know it's not going to go away. If I keep ignoring it, it's going to keep coming back. Innovative solutions. You have light bulb moments. I remember having those when I was deeply religious and really believing this is the Holy Ghost. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what this feels like. 
these light bulb moments, these sudden solutions to the problems that I've been churning over for days or weeks. When you just knew you were right about something is someone else's response. When you had that sense of, oh, this is what's going to happen, and then it happens that way, and you just knew it. You knew that's how it was going to turn out. The next person says, you seem to know things before they happen. Almost like a gift of prophecy, right? You experience synchronicities. When you meet exactly the right person, hear about an opportunity, or are introduced to an idea right at the right time. Both the Holy Ghost list and the intuition list, people are saying, you just seem to be in the right place at the right time. The right people are brought into your life. The right opportunities. Number 14, you feel purposeful. You feel a deep sense of purpose when you're listening to your intuition. You feel guided. You feel like there's a path ahead of you, even if you can't see the whole path. Number 15, it's easier to deeply connect with others because you can read their emotions and energy. Remember the one on the Holy Ghost list that said it felt like a deep inner connection with other human beings where you felt seen and heard? Now, the next question is, does it really matter? Does it really matter if we're thinking of this as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, or if we're thinking of this as intuition? I don't really think it matters as long as you feel free to follow your gut without anxiety of upsetting a higher power, making mistakes with eternal consequences, etc. I don't think it matters as long as you are completely free to make mistakes, try things on, choose something different later. I don't think it matters if you believe your intuition is God speaking to you, the universe, dead ancestors, plebeians, archangels, or anything else. Now, these are the places where I feel like the Holy Ghost doctrine can become a problem. And this is by no means an exhaustive list because I couldn't do research on this. You guys typing in, can the Holy Ghost ever be traumatic? or resources on Holy Ghost trauma. When is it intuition? When is it the Holy Ghost? Really, nothing comes up. When I say we're in a brand new field here, I mean we are in a brand new field here, you guys. This is all based on my own experience with my own clients, from my own life, from my husband's life, from the lives of friends and family members who have also gone through their own faith transition whether from the Mormon church or from just Christianity in general. And this is the list that I've gotten just working in these groups of people and talking to people on social media. If you don't hear something that you feel like is traumatic about the doctrine of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit or something that you've seen outside of Christianity, either in spiritual realms or in some other religion, please message me. On Instagram at Emancipated Molly, or you can email me, Terry at EmancipatedCoaching.com, or you can go on the Facebook group and bring it up. I welcome people who are helping me see my blind spots because it's brand new. Even if it wasn't brand new, I would want you to speak up because we help each other learn and grow and expand, and I am here for that. So as I read this short list, If you think of something and you're like, actually, this could also be traumatic, let me know. 
You're going to help me create tools on the app that will help people heal from this. You're going to help me and other therapists and other coaches create more healing in the world by sharing your insight and your experience. You may get a ping about something that I haven't gotten a ping about yet. I'm going to grow faster if we all share our experiences and our ideas and our thoughts together. I'm open to being wrong. I'm open to being incomplete. I welcome anyone who takes the time and effort to tell me what they think and to tell me what maybe they've seen that I haven't seen. So there's that little plug and let's hop into this list of when the Holy Ghost doctrine becomes a problem. So the first one that comes to mind is if you are taught that you can lose it if you aren't obedient or follow the rules of the organization or the deity. If you're told that this is a gift that the deity gives you, but only if you're obedient and show that you love the deity enough, or if you obey the organization enough, or if you obey the leaders enough, that is unhealthy. It is now a control mechanism. It's not a guidance system. It is now a control mechanism. Being intuitive feels wonderful. Feeling like you have an inner compass feels wonderful. Feeling like you have guidance and a roadmap, feeling like you know where to go, really helps with our aversion to uncertainty as humans. Being told that that's a gift you can get if you're obedient, but it will be taken away and you will lose it. You'll be in the dark. You will be lost. You won't know where to go. That feels like death to us as humans. And so it's a really great manipulative and controlling tool. There can be some serious trauma that happens in families, organizations, religious groups, even spiritual groups, if we're told you can have this intuitive gift but you will lose it if you don't do what we say or believe what we believe. So that's the first one. The second one is if there's only one right source where this intuition can come from. Again, that's a control or a manipulative tactic. If there's only one source that can give you guidance, then you're beholden to that source. You're sort of handcuffed to that source. And you're not allowed to really explore or think outside of the box where that source lives. It also makes us much more judgmental of other people who find their guidance in different ways. So if there's only one source and ours is the source, then not only are we beholden to the source, but we also are judging every other person that isn't beholden to the source. If they're looking to... Pachamama, or they're looking to Arcturians and Plebeians, or they're dancing naked in the woods for their inspiration, or they're worshiping some other god or sets of gods, and they have different rituals, we judge them. And remember, when we judge other people, we're also judging ourselves. So it becomes this sort of conundrum. Not only are we less able to connect with other people, we're also less able to connect with ourselves, and we're much more easily controlled. It can definitely be traumatic for us. Number three, you're told you can't trust yourself, that the intuition is separate from you and maybe even opposed to you. So if you're taught, for instance, that the Holy Spirit is a voice from God to help you overcome who you naturally are, your human nature, that can be traumatic. That leads to self-worth issues. It also leads to self-trust issues. So if I believe I have a human voice, 
that wants to do wicked, evil things and take me away from the source, where if I leave the source, they'll take away my intuition. And I'm told that I have this voice of light that is trying to help me escape my natural nature. Do you see how this would create some problems inside of us? Being worried of, can I trust myself? Can I not trust myself? Is this voice from me? Is this voice from God? How do I know? I don't want to make the wrong decision because if I'm not obedient, then my intuition gets taken away and I will miss all of those feelings of warmth and comfort and excitement and elevation. I'll miss being in the right place at the right time. I'll miss all that synchronicity. I'll miss all that connection with other humans. I'll miss those light bulb moments. I will be left in the dark feeling dread and dreary and uncomfortable if I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Believing that our intuition is somehow in direct opposition to who we are or that we can't trust our voice in some way because there's our voice and there's God's voice, that becomes a problem. When we can look at our intuition as integrated, it's just who we are and we can get curious about all messages, then we're going to be a lot more healthy and a lot less traumatized. We don't have to worry about, is this voice from me? Is this voice from God? Oh my gosh, am I going to make the right decision? We can say, okay, so there's one part of me that's saying I should stay here because it's safe. This feels comfortable. And there's another part of me that's really pushing to do this thing that's outside of my comfort zone. What are both parts of me trying to tell me? Where is it coming from? What are the thoughts in my head? And we get to just be curious about it and kind of take care of all the parts of ourself. There isn't one bad part of ourself and one good part of ourself. We get to be a whole human being. All right. The next way the Holy Ghost doctrine can become a problem is if there are rituals we must do to be blessed with this gift. So again, rituals are okay, but if the ritual then binds you to a group, or binds you to a source of intuition. Remember the second one, we talked about that there's only one right source. So if this ritual is seen as a promise or a covenant that you will never leave that one source or choose something outside of the path that the source has told you about, this can be traumatic, especially when we're doing these rituals as infants or children. I know in certain religions, you are committed to your path when you're an infant, before you can give consent, before you can even comprehend what's happening to you. In other instances, you're committed when you're eight or you're 11 or you're 12 or you're a young adult. I don't care if you're 40 and making a commitment. I'm committed right now to what feels right, but that doesn't mean when I'm 50 or 60 that I might not expand into a different path. Who knows what's going to happen? All I know is right now, I'm doing what feels in alignment with myself. So if there are rituals in which you're making a promise for the rest of your life, or you are committing yourself to live a certain way, to obey a certain source of intuition, and to follow a certain path, it can be very traumatic because we all evolve as humans over time. Who I am today is vastly different from who I was when I was eight, when I underwent the ritual of baptism, and promised myself to Mormonism. I'm not sure I had the full mental capability to understand what I was promising, looking back on it now. In fact, I 
committed sin, quote unquote, the very day I was baptized. I pretended to be vomiting by filling up a water glass, making gagging noises, dumping the water into the toilet in a way that I thought sounded like vomit. I'm sure I didn't fool my grandma at all. And I got to stay at my grandma's house where she took care of me and cooked for me and snuggled me and rubbed my back. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I didn't fully understand the severity of the covenant I was making, but I felt obligated all the way up until just four and a half years ago to keep that covenant and to disregard any intuitive messages I had that the path I was on was not fitting me properly. So when rituals are involved in order to receive the intuition, it can definitely be a problem. Number five, if certain parts of being human are seen to drive away the intuition. So if there are certain emotions that are not okay, if you're taught that your intuition or the Holy Ghost is too sensitive to handle certain emotions like anger or sadness or fear or resentment or envy or jealousy or grief, then this can be traumatic. Part of being human is experiencing all the emotions. And remember, our emotions are not good or bad. They're just messages from our intuition. Can you see how this becomes a conundrum? Because we're told our intuition is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost can't handle it when we're angry. It goes away. It's sensitive. And it gets offended when we're angry or resentful or envious or jealous. And so we start suppressing those emotions, which numbs our ability to hear our inner knowing. And we start co-opting feelings of elevation from the church and from its music and from its messages. We start co-opting more and more of the identity from the organization to fill in those gaps of the places where we're suppressing ourselves. And we tell ourselves that what they tell us we're supposed to feel is what we're actually feeling. I don't even understand the full science behind it, but I know this happens. I know that when we suppress our emotions, we can't selectively numb, so we numb all of them. And the more out of touch we are with our emotions, the more disembodied we feel, the less we can hear our inner knowing. And the easier it is to influence us to to choose what another entity would have us do. So this can be really traumatic when we're told that the Holy Spirit is our intuition but that it'll only stay with us if we're not feeling certain feelings. And then we become scared of certain feelings and we suppress them, which numbs our inner knowing. And we replace our knowing as the Holy Ghost with the church's knowing. And we become easier to manipulate and control. This is also true of parts of ourselves like our sexual appetites, our hunger pains, our need for sleep. If these things are seen to offend our intuition, if we can lose our intuition because of parts of being human, of needing to eat or having cravings or needing to even numb sometimes, because there is a need to numb when things are overwhelming sometimes. So if the Holy Ghost can be offended by those things and we can lose it because we're human, then there's a problem, right? Or if we're allowed to feel a certain amount of that humanity, but not too much. I know in my sex life, I was always like, okay, I can have sex, but I can't get too wild and crazy with it. Or the Holy Spirit's going to leave. That's a problem. 
because it keeps you locked up and kind of bound in a box. Okay, so the next one is if you're not allowed to make mistakes, change your mind or choose something different. We kind of went over that a little bit earlier. We're all evolving beings. We learn by making mistakes. I would say 80 to 90% of the time, we're learning from trial and error. We've been taught in school that we can learn all the things and then we never have to make mistakes, but that's ridiculous. We learn the best by trying things on, learning from our own experiences, keeping what works, and discarding what doesn't work. If we're taught that the Holy Ghost or our intuition only works if we're not making mistakes, if we choose the right thing every time, then it's going to be traumatic when we choose something wrong, when we choose something that doesn't fit, when we choose something that's not in our best interest. We learn by making our best intuitive guess, trying something on, and then course correcting and moving in a different direction. We also are traumatized if we believe that our intuition is keeping track of our mistakes and will stand as a witness against us. So when our intuition is co-opted with the Holy Ghost, when we see those things as the same thing and we're told that the Holy Ghost is always with us and keeping copious notes of what we're doing and will stand witness against us at the last day, oh my gosh, (laughs) I have clients that are like, I was always in a state of anxiety because I knew that the Holy Ghost was right there with me and was taking notes of everything and was going to actually testify and say everything at the judgment day, that there was nothing I could hide. I never felt safe in my own skin because the Holy Ghost was there taking witness of everything, even the thoughts I thought in my head, even the feelings I had. And it was going to witness against everything. So if you believe that your intuition or the Holy Ghost is a spy against you that's going to rat you out, that's going to be traumatic. There are going to be some trust issues there with listening to your voice or even wanting to tap into your intuition at all. Number seven is if there's an acceptable path, and I put that in quotation marks, an acceptable path, and you're told that your intuition is only meant to keep you on that path. So if there's only one right way to go and you're told your intuition is only there to keep you on that one right path, you're not allowed to veer off the path, you're not allowed to find your own way, there is one path and it is one size fits all and your intuition is to help you find that path and stay on the path, that is going to be traumatic because you're going to have to get rid of authentic parts of yourself in order to try and stay on that path. None of us has the same path as anyone else. All of us have a very individual path. We talked about that in the last episode. Our path is going to wind through the woods. It's going to be very little traveled. There are going to be places we have to hack through the jungle because it's our path and we are a completely unique individual. Sometimes we'll be walking very closely with other people, but we are still on our own path and it may stay next to that person for a while and it may wind away at another time and it may loop back again at another place, but our path is our path. There is no one path. And so if you're told that there is one path, the only way to follow that one path is going to be to get rid of the parts of you that don't fit that path. And so you take on a pseudo identity that is acceptable to the group instead of being able to be your full authentic self. And that is traumatic. I know that from personal experience. That's what led me to clinical depression, and that's what leads your body to freak out. Number eight 
if there is any sort of feeling that we need to please an entity, perform for an entity, or perfect ourselves in order to be worthy of our intuition, it will be traumatic. And number nine, if we have the idea that the Holy Ghost or our intuition is making judgments about us, that it's making judgments about our worth as a person or about our performance, it will create trauma for us. When we believe that the Holy Ghost can only stay with us when we're clean, that we're only worthy of the Holy Ghost if it's before midnight, that we can offend the Holy Spirit so much that it goes away, that who we are as a person could be disgusting to the Holy Ghost, or that we might disappoint it by not following its promptings quickly enough, then we're going to have self-worth issues. We're going to feel like we're not enough. We're going to feel like we're not worthy exactly as we are. Here's what I know. We were born with our intuition. It's not something we have to earn. We don't have to perform in any certain way in order for it to be with us. We don't have to obey any sort of guidelines for it to be with us. We just have to be with it and listen to it, try to follow it, and listen to what happens after we take action. You don't have to be a part of a certain religion to have access to it. You don't have to be spiritual to have access to it. It's part of who you are. You can choose to be religious. You can choose to be spiritual. You can choose to seek after those connections. But if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm a very factual, scientific, analytical person who is trying to tap into more emotional, intuitive reasoning, you can do this without any mysticism. Your intuition is you. And whether something outside of that speaks to that part of yourself, I don't know. And I don't think it matters. As long as you are free to listen to that part of yourself. Follow it. Give yourself permission to try things on. Listen to it again and see how those things feel. And continue to course correct towards a life that brings you joy and expansion, happiness, contentment, fulfillment, and a sense of purpose. My hope for all of us is that as we're tapping into our intuition, we understand there's nothing we can do to offend it. There are no rituals we have to perform to get it. It cannot be taken away from us. And even if we feel like we've never felt it before, it's still there waiting for us to discover it. And we have full permission to blaze a path listening to that voice and learning from it. Thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. I can't wait to hear what your insights are. I can't wait to learn from you. And I look forward to these conversations. We'll see you next week.